Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner. And with me, as always, is Anthony and Mushu. Anthony. Oh, wait. Dang, I messed it up. He messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> messed up gotcha. his own name. What you get? You don't even know your oh, own name. Shoot. But what else is oh, new? Oh, shucks. It's a lot of stuff Tony doesn't know. Including his name. What he doesn't know could fill the Alexandria Library. Uh, now, now let me tell you something, folks. We got a show for you tonight, but first, let's get the preliminaries out of the way. Don't forget, we do a show every Friday and Sunday. It's a live stream. It's become wildly popular. We get anywhere from 450 to 650 people in that chat on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, so come check us out. Friday, we have a guest every Friday. And then every Sunday, we have us basically retelling people's encounters like we're going to do tonight. Uh, this is going to be a fun show. I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I like all of the shows, but some shows I'm just like more into them than others. This one definitely I'm, I'm into. Uh, I'm wanting to, to tell this. Don't forget, folks, we have a Patreon. We have a $10 all the way to a $50 tier, and each tier is different, and it gives you a different size swag bag. The $50 tier, of course, is going to be loaded. You're going to have uh, a book from many different authors. Who knows which one? And if you have a preference, you can always message us and try to let us know. And then you will get both of my uh, my books autographed. If you do the $50 tier, the $40 tier, you get one of my books autographed, your choice. And then we, you get a, a, another author's books. And then, of course, as always, you get shirt, you get all kinds of stuff, stickers. If we have the hoodies in come December, we will be giving hoodies out. That starts in December because uh, that's when it's going to get really cold. But anyways... We're going to move on here. We got a lot to talk about. Um, Josh Turner up here at tpodcast.com. Check me out. If you're on Facebook, you can always send me a story through Messenger. A lot of people do. And run Instagram. And Tony, you want to give the coordinates to yours? Yeah, my Instagram is uh, PRT Mushu. You can also email me at mushuprt at gmail.com. You can find me uh, there. <clears throat> and you can also send me their stories and I'll check them out as well. Yeah. And uh, there is some stuff that has been going on that you probably want to, if you want to keep abreast of it, I do do some lives every now and then during the day to kind of give you the heads up on what's happening because there are people causing problems in this community and they have caused a ton of problems for us and we're not passive and we're not going to sit back and take it. And I'm just going to say this, if somebody messes with my family or me, I'm going to say something, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to sit there passively. And they've messed with other channels, our friends, and and so forth. Uh, you can go to my Facebook and kind of look at. I've I've whenever they do something or say something, I just put it up there for everybody to look at. So I'm not going to waste time talking about it on this show. Go look at it on my Facebook, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I, I don't want to hear people tell me, well, you can just block and delete and move away, whatever. That it goes a lot deeper than that. Way way deeper. We're beyond that, and and all of my friends and family and allies can tell you that. Um, and I say allies and friends as in like we're friends with other channels like Helbin Holler. Check them out. Check out Bartonelli and Humanoids. Check out Bigfoot Michigan Rob, Blondes and Booze. Uh, who else do we got? Uh, Bettina Moss with Crypto Normal Encounters. Abe Seas with uh, Spiritual, what is it? Spiritual Encrypted S Encounters. Spiritual Encrypted Encounters. Lyle Blackburn. Lyle Blackburn. And go go check out his podcast. Christopher Jordan. <clears throat> I mean, there's Christopher a Christopher Jordan or Chris Curious Realm. Yeah. Uh, who else? We got uh, Christopher Garitano, Off to the Witch. Uh, Bigfoot, Michigan, Rob. We just said him. Oh. Texas Front Porch. Uh, it's spelled T-E-X, apostrophe S, Texas Front Porch. Jason McLean, he's another guy. Blondes and Booze. Doug Highcheck. We, we said Blondes and Booze. Pay attention. Oh, uh, Paranormal Soup with Jason Bland. Paranormal Soup with Jason Bland. These are all really good friends of ours. Uh, we know them all very well. Rivos, Lost Frequency, Gary Brand and his wife over doing good work over at uh, Within the Mist. Within the Mist, yeah, good, good, good quality stuff. Go check these people out. Let 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 us uh, know what you think. Um, and you know, those are people to listen to. I would steer clear of certain other channels for sure because they are using fake subs, fake numbers, and AI generated stories, which we do none of. So, with that being said, I'm going to get started here. Um, we decided we were going to talk about which we were going to talk about the story from uh, was it was it uh, African story the African story mm -hmm. yeah okay we're going to get started with a story from Africa now this person I know personally and he's from Belgium and uh, he joined a fr another friend of mine who was an Israeli and they actually went to uh, South Africa 
to work on a secure as, as security guys in, on a team, and they were guarding a I guess you could say a corporation's assets. And because it had gotten so violent down there, it was at one time the carjacking capital of of the world because it was just so bad. Um, and, and South Africa has had a lot of problems in the last 20, 30 years. I can tell you this, uh, it's, not a, it's not a friendly place. Uh, they were in Johannesburg. So they were regarding some assets and they, they were in charge of a warehouse. Now, they were threatened, one of the people that they were working for was threatened by supposedly a witch doctor. And what this person told them that he was going to do was he was going to send somebody to unalive him. <laughs> and so, uh, he beefed up the security. Now, one of their security people had been uh, unalived by one of these people who was really, he was more of like a gang leader, but he was known to, to practice black magic. And a lot of people said that he had the ability to shapeshift. And one of the, the things that he would turn into was a hyena. Now, some people had claimed that they had seen these weird jackal looking creatures. Uh, they say jackal looking because they weren't totally like jackals. They looked like some sort of canine, but they weren't uh, what you would expect a jackal to look like they were larger and more aggressive. And one of the security people had actually told my friend that he had been bit. He had been bitten uh, on his arm and his leg by one of these jackal creatures. The the creatures that were in question of the, the jackal type that he was he described from another guy that worked there. Uh, he was a British guy named Thorne. And what he told him was that when this other guy had gotten bit, a South African uh, man, he, he said that it it when it got he got attacked him, he witnessed the attack. This guy, this British guy, it was actually Scottish, but he he witnessed this thing attack him, pull him down, and drag him away. The weird thing is when they looked at the security camera, you see the guy fall down and getting pulled. But the, the you know, and of course, it's in a sensitive area where where they were at. And so it was kind of just hushed up and not talked about. And they were told, hey, don't go around talking about this. This isn't something. This happened years ago. And, uh, you know, now if you looked at the footage, somebody would probably just say, well, they figured out a way to manipulate it or something. Um, But he said it was one of the weirdest things he'd ever seen. So, you know, he's telling me this story from somebody that told him that was there that witnessed it. Uh, this man lost the use of his left leg from the attack on from these creatures. And I said, is it possible that maybe this was just local wildlife that got down in there and did? He says, I don't think so. He said, I really think these things had some sort of uh, supernatural qualities to them. One of the things I thought interesting was the eyes of these uh, jackals were yellowish green and they glowed that way. Um. Having heard so many different stories from so many different places from around the world, I know we're all kind of, we're not, that word's not jaded, um, but it, it's like you're kind of desensitized almost, you know? Yeah. To like, you're like, oh yeah, okay, jackal creatures attack people with green eyes. And you read these stories and you're like, oh, okay. And then you you contact these people and then they tell you, you know, like, wow, this is, uh, this is what really happened, you know? But this person is somebody I know. I know personally, and it's it's a friend of mine that that, that works downtown. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Um, and he introduced me to this guy. He says, "Hey, I got a guy that's got a story. You should introduce. You should interview this guy." And and so I did. And and it's somebody that I had met before, and we weren't like friends. I'd say we were more like acquaintances. And I knew the other guy that worked with them too. They they were partners. They would go and they would work in these different places. Uh, highly trained guys, former military guys from their respective countries. So what ended up happening, this individual was working with a team in this area where one of the the guys, it was a parking garage where this guy was parking his vehicle and he had been threatened. They were threatening to kill him. And uh, so what ended up happening, and this guy was buying up real estate and he was taking over certain areas, you know, and then this, I, I guess, ran afoul of a group of guys that were like, hey, um, and this, this particular group of guys or gang, whatever, they were actually Fulani Nigerian. Now we've talked about what that is. Uh, they're a type of Islamic, um, and they can be extremists. And they told them, you're not taking over this area. 
and they threatened to kill him. Uh, and the guy that was actually buying this land up, and you can look this term up, they're called black diamonds. And what they are, since apartheid ended, there was a, a large group of, of black uh, individuals who were, were, you know, from South Africa who were able to do business and not be discriminated against. And actually they built like in partnerships and alliances and they got very wealthy. And they took over a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of people left South Africa and they took over a lot of the business and industry. And the, these were, a lot of them were young guys too. They weren't real old, but this guy was one of those. And he had made a, a good living doing this. And as he expanded quickly, of course, people were jealous, people were upset. And so these Nigerians, really, they're not even indigenous to that area. Um, really, that whole area, nobody is really, except for the Zulu. Now, I have a couple friends that I've I've known for years, and one of them was a Zulu that, I, you know, I think you met him, Anthony, at our Ashes Bar. I think so. Yeah. And so, um, and I know you were with us. I don't know if you remember. But anyway, um, this story, it hits home to me because I know a lot about this area where he was at. And um, so, it was, it, what really got me about this whole story was, it shows you how, like, no matter how, like, what industry, business field, whatever you're into, there's going to be jealous people that are going to do bad things, and they're going to try to mess with you because they're, they they don't like that you're, you know, you're you're, you're successful. successful. It's just all it is, and so they told this guy, hey, you're not gonna, we're not gonna let you come into this territory, and um, he told him, no, I bought that 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 area. We're gonna we're gonna renovate it, and we're gonna change it, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that, and well, we're gonna kill you. Simple as that. And so he hired these guys to protect him. And nothing's foolproof, you know? I mean, you can hire people all day long. It doesn't mean you're going to, somebody wants to get you, they're going to try and get you, and they might get you. And so he was walking out from the parking garage, and this weird dog like thing launched itself onto the car that they were driving out of, but it was a bulletproof car and it didn't do any damage. But it was seen jumping over the, the top and the hood of this car. And appeared to almost try to grab onto the hood of this vehicle. And then it kind of rolled off. And then you see, of course, there was camera footage of this. You see like this animal being shot at, whatever, and then it runs off. And it crawls underneath some barbed wire and it's gone. Well, that's another situation that these guys walked into. They were shown the footage of these different creatures. This thing, they said, looked like a cross between a hyena and a German shepherd. And I was like, how is that possible? I don't know. I mean, th that's what these people are seeing. That's what they're being told. That's what we're being shown. Um, the thing that really disturbed me the most about this was the guy that was threatening to do the, 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 the leader of this gang or whatever. He was six foot seven and he weighed like 450 pounds. Jeez. And he wasn't, he kind of was chubby, but he wasn't like a big fat dude. <laughs> you know, he was a very monstrous guy and he was rumored to have done a lot of bad things to people with his bare hands. Um, he liked to just kind of squeeze the life out of people. You know what I mean? Um, just not a nice guy, very bad guy. And um, he had a little nickname. They called him the crocodile. And that's one of the things that he. I was going to say ogre. That he, he prided himself on being this, uh, you know, big crocodile dude, you know, whatever. He was strong and tough and whatever. And so w when one of the security team went around the back one time when these guys were seen messing around in that area, he goes off camera, he disappears. So I never see him again. So do the math. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So they picked, picked people off. Obviously, these, this, is, this was bad stuff that was happening down there at that time. When you look at this situation, too, uh, it's something that I'm not unfamiliar with. I mean, you know, like we've had people make threats to clients and say this and say that, and we got to protect them or whatever. Um, I, I looked at this situation as, you know, you better have the right people in place if, you're, if you want to survive something like this. 
And it went beyond just the physical whatever, because I believe that there was something going on there um, spiritually. You know, there was something going on there. They would see weird balls of light on the camera and, and their boss's uh, body, main bodyguard said that, that he believed that they were like spies, like spirit spies that were trying to, to get the lay of the land and figure out which way to get in and out. So when they finally moved into this territory and it was surrounded by hostels, they had to put 20 different guys around this warehouse so that the workers could come in and do what they had to do to renovate it and get it ready to be used as an industrial building. When the workers uh, arrived and began doing what they were doing, of course, they got threatened and a couple people got shot at from a distance and it scared people and they didn't want to go back to work. So they had to beef up security. So they had patrols going around there. They had dogs, they had all kinds of stuff. And it was almost more trouble than it was worth to the point where it wasn't really going to be, you know, a, a good business decision because, you know, it was, it became a matter of principle. Like this guy says, I'm not going to let you run me off. I'm going to keep doing what we're doing and I'm not going to let you scare me. And these uh, thugs were telling them, no, 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 that's not going to happen. We're not going to let you do it. And so it became sort of a battle of wills. And one of the things I was told was that they had to go in the back area of this where there was an open field and nobody envied that position because whoever was back, there were three man teams, they would get possibly shot at or something could happen. And so it was really more trouble than it was worth, but this guy was putting out a bunch of money and he was determined. He was like, I'm not going to let these people beat me. And so my friend, the Belgian, he went to the back and he was walking through there. And sure enough, something happens. He hears a growling, you know, whatever. And he looks and he sees these two creatures coming, crawling out from underneath the barbed wire. And they were like, you know, about 20, 30 feet in front of him. And he said that they just went right, they slipped right into the, like this, un, there was like this very, very narrow spot underneath the, the warehouse that where there was a, a gap. And he said, these things were large. He said they were about four foot tall at the, at their shoulders. This, this was on all fours and they shrunk down and managed to stuff themselves into this crevice, which he thought was amazing. So they ran up there and they looked and they were like, what the heck was that? They looked like shaggy hyena type creatures. So they run around the other side, they radio to the people on the inside. This was after the, 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 the renovators were in there trying to fix it, whatever it was after their shift was over and they were just watching it. And he said, dude, the, the, you know, be, be on the lookout for these particular creatures, whatever they go inside the building. And what they see is something that he'll never forget. And, and, you know, being told this, these creatures, there were two of them, they were no longer on all fours. They were standing on their hind legs and they were moving slowly toward three armed men that were demanding that they stop trying to reason with them, trying to talk to them. He said, at first, I didn't know what I was looking at. His statement to me was basically just very point blank. I thought it were, were some sort of costumes or something guys wearing very elaborate costumes. He goes, but then I realized they were moving very fluidly and that they were over seven foot tall. He says, as he watched them approach these, these uh, three armed men, they didn't seem to be too uh, perturbed by the fact that they had machine guns. And then eventually these things got down on all fours as these guys began to shoot and they charged these men. And then they all kind of ran and ducked down behind uh, different, different in different spots, you know, uh, different cargo that was there, you know, and one of them got behind a debris box, you know, which was full with, filled with debris and trash. And these things kind of split off into two different directions. And after being fired upon by multiple people, one guy was injured by friendly fire and he was struck in the leg and up and then a bullet ricocheted up into his shoulder. So one guy took two shots. He lived. Um, but these things turned and like a circular motion and then joined back up and then they went through the wall. Now, what I mean by when I say they went through the wall, they didn't go through the wall, like the physical wall. There was like a crevice there in the wall. And he said, there's no way a, a skinny person could have fit through there. But somehow these creatures managed to squeeze themselves through. So a very, a very weird story to say the least. And th there were some other things that took place, but they weren't like, 
like that. He didn't see any other shapeshifters or anything like that. It was just stories of people seeing weird things, and he did get shot at a couple times. And ultimately, though, the guy he was working for, he did he did fulfill what he wanted to do. He created that 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 building got done. They created a, a factory working for a corporation, and they eventually they drove those people out. And it took the joint effort between them and the police and slash military to eventually drive those people out of there and, and release their stranglehold on that, that, that neighborhood. Uh, very weird, scary stuff. But uh, I asked him though, I said, let me ask you a question. I mean, do you believe that these were some sort of shapeshifters or werewolves or whatever? He said, well, they didn't look like wolves. He said, but I, I do believe that these, these were people and they were either, you know, it was either the greatest illusion I've ever seen in my life. This is his exact words. Or there was something unnatural going on there, something that we can't explain. And he said being in Africa three different times, he had seen some really weird things. I will say this. There was another story that was given to me by somebody that was on his team that he introduced me to. Um, I'll just call this guy Brinks. Brinks told me a crazy story too. He said that when he was in Central Africa, well, East uh, or uh, uh, yeah, East Central Africa. At one time, he had done a job there, and he was working with a guy who was who was a pilot, and he was basically bodyguarding this guy because he was doing some something for the, one of the governments there. And their plane crashed. Now it didn't crash; they were in the process of trying to land because they were running out of fuel because they had a slow leak, which they didn't realize. And he said like, things like that in Africa it happened all the time. I know that. And so they they decided to land, and as they were landing. They hit the ground a little too fast, and and then they kind of spun around in a circle, and one of their uh, wings got clipped by a tree, so that that rendered the plane immobile. Now it wasn't one of those like I shouldn't be alive, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're on that show and you're like I had to drink water out of my own underwear, or some weird stuff. They always have something that happens, and then they're just they're dying, and it's usually their fault. They went and did something they shouldn't have done. And, they're like, I was in the outback and I just decided to go for a friendly jog and dingoes ate my hands, you know, um, which we'll be talking about dingoes in a minute here. But what's up? No, I just find it funny. It's always just like, it's like, oh, a dude came up to me with two pills. He said, if you choose this one, you'll die. If you choose this one, you'll live a nice life. So I chose the death. <laughs> I like living on the edge. Big mistake. Danger's my middle name. <laughs> Austin Danger Powers. And then, then they show they show the person they got no fingers and no nose because of frostbite. And they're like, man, that pill was a doozy. I took it in the Sahara Desert. Look what happened. <laughs> uh, you know, but so, so enough joking. But what, what happened was these people, they, they ended up, there were three of them, and they were in this little small plane. Uh, I think it was like a Cessna or something. I, I believe that's the kind of plane it was. He said it was. But they, but they were sitting there in the plane, and he said that they, they had to wait for a few hours to be rescued. It wasn't like they were lost. They radioed, and they were only like, you know, like I think 20 miles or something to the to the next, uh, you know, which translates from kilometers to miles. It was about 20 miles. And so he said that they told them, hey, we can't send anybody right now, but we know where you're at. We got your location. We'll send you there. Just hang tight. It might take eight hours. So they just hunkered down and they sat in the plane and they fell asleep. Well, when nighttime came, they heard the roaring of what sounded like lions. Now, this is crazy. And I don't know what country this was in because this was given to me secondhand. But he said that when they looked out the window of, of his side of the window, they saw this creature that was down that looked like it was a lion down on all fours. But it was like how, how dogs and cats stand. You know how they put their paws out in front, yeah. and he said that the 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 front legs, what, what should have been legs, looked bizarre, and that they almost looked like a man. And he was like, "What am I looking at?" And so he did have night vision. He had some NVGs. He had all kinds of stuff. So he pulled them out. And the guy that he was with was another bodyguard. He said, "Hey, we got these NVGs. Let's take a look," because they couldn't make out what they were looking at. When they when they looked at it, this creature got up on its hind legs. Never fully extended the legs or anything, and the legs were backward bent, kind of like the dog, wolf, wolf man, dog man, whatever. And the, it, it walked off into the brush behind it, and it was making a weird sound. And then they saw what looked like a second one further behind, and these things were walking upright lions. 
like like you would see like a dog man, like the upper yeah. body, like a man. The legs looked kind of like they 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 didn't look correct. It didn't look like they were walking comfortably, but the upper body did appear to be more manlike. And they were like, "What are we looking at?" Now, once they were relieved, one of the locals there told them that there were these legends of these creatures in that area, and that they were supposedly uh, medicine men or witch doctors that could shapeshift. And they were from that village in that area there, and that they were known to go and kill people's livestock. And, you know, poach and things like that. And they used that form. He said that how they achieved this supposedly was two different ways. It was almost just like the legends of the skinwalkers that they had to kill someone and they used blood magic to do it. And then they also had to commit their soul to this demonic entity. And there was a tree that they had to go to and spill this blood. And this tree, supposedly the demon or whatever it was, lived below the roots of that tree. Wow, gross. Yeah, so very weird and and, and uh, very odd story, whatever. But, you know, talking to the guy from Belgium, and I, I can't say his name, but I'll, I will say his, his, I'll start with, I'll say his name is D. Uh, D actually told me a, a, weird, a weird thing, too. He said that one of the guys he worked with had said that that was pretty much right on par with how these guys, these uh, Fulani were doing, even though they were Muslim, they weren't really, they just were paying lip service to it. They were actually practicing like, you know, demonic sorcery and that they would kill someone and then use that blood to summon something and that, that whatever it was would give them uh, the ability, the power. But they had to give it something very precious like gold and silver and things like that. And this being or whatever it was would appear as smoke. And one of the people that they worked with told him he had witnessed this. He said, I witnessed this happen. Oddly enough, I had a story out of Chicago years ago. I mean, and, and this is something that was told to me as a teenager. And I, I, it wasn't like anything I could, it's not really a story. But one, one of my cousins, he lived up in Chicago. We went there to visit him years ago. And he said that, he witnessed somebody doing a ceremony, like a, uh, not a cleanse, but like somebody had something that was an attachment and they had to get it removed. And he witnessed like weird, like black smoke swirling around coming off of this person's lower spine. So I thought that was weird, you know, don't know. I just know that, you know, and, and, and he, and that one, he said it was a Dominican, uh, person that was doing the ceremony yeah you know so I, I don't know what that if there's a significance or a connection but it just seems kind of like on par with what we're talking about so moving on from that the the shapeshifters of africa uh we'll go to another place uh, australia and we were talking making a joke about dingoes a minute ago i'll tell you this this happened near an old mining town uh and i guess it was west central i believe it was uh west central australia which is just basically the outback and it's not uh and i can't remember the name of the town off the top of my head um but it was a place where there used to be a mining camp there and there's not much there there's not a lot of people maybe 100 people and they have been there for a long time and it's like two or three different families that just kind of expanded and spread out a little bit, and there's just enough water there. But they have to have water shipped in during certain times of the year, and then they have to wait to get, uh, you know, just in case it gets kind of hairy because there's not enough water. So they may have to go without bathing and stuff like that. Uh, but this 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 young girl, she was from uh, Darwin. I think she was from Darwin. So she went there to go visit because her cousin – uh, that was basically her cousin's cousins that lived out there. And so she went out there on a trip and she thought it would be cool because there were kangaroos and there were dingoes and all kinds of wildlife and she wanted to see them. And so she went out there for two or three days and, and there was this long trek out there in this heat. And she said halfway through there was no air condition on the bus. She thought this is a very bad oh, idea. No. She was a teenager, her and her sister. Yeah. And she was like, this is not, <laughs> this was not what I wanted She's like in her 40s now, and she, she lives like in, in North Carolina. But she was telling me, she was like, this is not what I planned. I thought that this was, you know, and she's like, oh. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I thought we would be out there and it'd be a lot of fun, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. And, and I hope her name is Amy. Amy, I hope I did your, <laughs> Amelia actually, but I hope I did your, 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 your voice correctly. But uh, anyways, she, she said it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun. And what ended up happening is one night they were there and they slept in this little house and it was so hot that they had to like have the windows open and whatever. And she said that the first night that she was there, the creepiest thing that happened, a giant spider the size of her hand, but of course this was a, a 15 year old kid, you know, whatever. But she said a giant spider the size of her hand crawled through the wall and she was like looking and she thought, what am I looking at? There's like a shadow moving on the wall. And so she says she went to move it with her hand to see what it was and it was this spider. And so she just squeezed really hard so it wouldn't bite her. And she said that it was like a pop. And she said it was just like gross. And she said like for for two days she was traumatized. So she didn't want to be in the house. So she was like, they were out wandering around and they came up over this ridge and they see these dingoes. And she thought, oh, cool. There's dingoes there. And she said that she saw like, like two or three of the dingoes like running in one direction. And there were these other two that were running behind them. And she said that this is the weirdest thing that ever happened to her in her whole life. And she said she lived in a haunted house for two years too in, in, in Australia. But she said that this was the scariest thing that ever happened. She witnessed, she said that there were two big dingoes that were way bigger than the other three or four and that they were running from these two. And eventually they, the other two, the two dingoes just stopped. And they turned and they just both stared up at her and her sister and her, her uh, cousin and her cousin's cousin. And they were all just standing there on that ridge. It was four girls. And she said, immediately the two girls that we were with, not, you know, not me and my sister, but the other two girls, they took off running. And she's like, why are they running? These things are so far away. She says, and she looks back down and these things are already halfway up the hill. And she said that when they got about halfway up, they both began to, she noticed a, 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 a market change in them. She said, it was so weird, man. She's like, it was like, they began to, according to her, in her words, vibrate. And she says, as they began to vibrate, she's like, th- there was this weird, like kind of weird, like silvery powder or something that was kind of coming off of them. And you could see it kind of like puffs going into the air, you know? And she said that it was so, so bizarre and they, they began to, to lose all the fur and they began to become what looked like pale, you know, like almost wet looking. They were like, they looked wet and she kept saying that it was like, they were like, you know, like there was this moisture on them or something and they were white and, and almost translucent. And she said that they were like, like, like just kind of rolling around on the side of the hill and they were actually spinning kind of like a drill bit at one point, you know, going up the hill towards them. And she's like, what are we looking at here? And she's like, it's like a train wreck. You can't look away. And she's like, and, and we're sitting there and we're, we're observing this. And she's like, and, and my sister says, we need to go. We need to get out of here. And she's like, yeah, you're right. She's like, so we turned to like run away. And she's like, it felt so weird. It was like, there was some sort of energy there that was making our legs move really slow. And she's like, it was like we couldn't move. Like you were stuck in molasses. It's like running in a dream. Yeah. And and I and she equated it to that. And I asked her that. I said, was it like if you were in a dream and you couldn't move? And she's like, absolutely. So as she's trying to get her legs to move and they're trying to run, these creatures are kind of undulating and moving around. They they, they look back and these things are over the, over the top of the hill now. And they looked like just two humanoid, pale, white creatures standing there. And when they looked back, and she realized that they were actually their legs were actually working. It just felt like they weren't, and it was like an illusion. And they were like a long ways away from these creatures. But she goes, I could see them clearly what they were. She's like, I had good eyes. She goes, even to this day, I have good eyes. And she's like, and I saw. I looked back. She's like forty four now, but she said we both saw him. Her sister's forty eight. She's my age, and they saw them standing there. 
And she's like, they didn't run toward us or anything. We get back to the house and she's like, and, and the other two girls, she's like, I was so mad. I could have bonked them on the head, you know? And she's like, I'm like, why did you run? And she's like, oh, those creatures out there, they'll kill you. You know, they're, they're, they're not dingoes. They just appear as whatever they want. They come from the mines. And like, she's like, what? And she's like, oh yeah. She's like, every now and then they'll snatch someone up and take them. We don't know what happens to them, but we assume that they eat them. Um, it's just a weird thing. Like she said it very matter of fact. She's like, they typically won't come into the village and they won't come around the, the people because everybody there had dogs and guns and whatever. And you could shoot them and you could hurt them, but they weren't. And they, but they could take on the form of different things and they would use those forms in particular the form of dingoes and they would try to hunt things. You know, she said that her, her cousin's cousin told them that she had seen them take down a kangaroo one time and it was awful uh, the way that they attacked and, and it was like they just came up out of the ground and grabbed it, you know, um, and they can appear to be just about anything, whether it's an inanimate object or a human, they can, they can create an illusion, you know, and it's like they shape shit, but there's also like this illusory effect that they give off. Now, of course, we've all heard of these things are called the rake, yeah. you know, I don't care if people say it's creepypasta, the, the name might be creepypasta and so what, but there is something to it. You know, there's something to this. Now, I don't know what you guys think of that. I mean, give me your thoughts on that. I think like that. maybe the, the the rake or the pale crawler, the, this thing that people see is, maybe that's like a transitional form for, for, for these shapeshifters. Like maybe that's not what it looks like all the time, but it's like kind of like an in-between, like in-between one form and another, that's what it looks like. What if it's its natural state? I was thinking, I don't know. like, you know how, to take this out of context real quick, but you know how in Lord of the Ring, the Urukai, they kind of, they're literally like born from the earth mm-hmm. and they come out of these like little paws and they're just like these useless little things and then they, they, they turn into these monsters or whatever. I wonder if these rakes are actually like, the infant or like the, the, the embryo stage or, or like it's still forming, but since they're not really made naturally, they, they kind of look unnatural in themselves. And then once you know, like what Jerry Nella said, once they do eat enough DNA or they, they absorb enough life force or whatever, then they can turn into whatever form that they choose. And I guess it kind of just depends on what they eat. So, I mean, that sounds pretty crazy though, but these things are obviously weird. We've yet to figure out what they are, what they do. I mean, I remember us first speaking about them and me and uh, uh, Armando kind of were talking about how like, uh, oh, maybe they're like uh, scavengers and they're just like like these weird mole pe- people, you know, and they live under the, the, the earth and they never come up because they, they, they can't survive up here because they're used to the temperature and the environment mm-hmm. down there. But then now you get like these weird shape shifting water bags and you get these weird spider crawling ones. I mean, they're just a bizarre thing that like the more you find out about them, the less you understand. And, and now you, you don't even know if that's even what it looks like naturally. Well, if that is its natural form, maybe whatever shape it takes is just dependent on what it, on what it consumes on a regular basis. Where like they're kind of infecting, or not maybe infecting, but kind of just stealing the DNA from from their prey, I guess, to become what they are, become whatever the heck they are. And, and you don't think it happens from them eating them? Maybe I don't know, ingesting it. It, it could be like that. I mean, it's, it's this weird thievery. I mean, a plague might not be the correct word to use, but it it just I guess it just reminds me of like cells. Are the, the, the actual like DNA and cells and stuff, and how, how they actually, when you look at them and how they actually attack, is they, they, they'll envelop stuff and slowly break it down and turn it into nutrients for themselves, which is what we all do, but on a much minor scale. And I feel like they have kind of like the, a similar aspect of like they'll just take what you have, destroy it, and make it into whatever they need, but they're, you're still a part of them, you know what I mean? You're, yeah. That aspect of you hasn't left. And that's why if they do 
are these things that can transform. That's why they do transform into like Bigfoot or Dogman, depending on what aspect or how much of the, a certain a, uh, essence they have. So, but the only thing that I don't know about this is why aren't there more, you know, creatures like that that, that are or that are running around like that? Well, I mean, I think you'd have to be near them, like like this was near a mine. Well, I, no, I mean, um, the transform creatures, I guess, more like to, to you know, you, you spoke about uh, bipedal lions, basically. But I mean, like, what 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 is the process of like, or how much do they need to take to be able to transform into bigfoot like or dogmen? No, no, these rakes, these ray creatures. I mean, but well, I don't. I mean, we don't know that the things that happened in Africa were rake creatures. I think those were people, supposedly. No. supposedly. Oh, okay. I, I thought I thought they were rakes. Why? I, I, I explained it that they were supposedly. The story was that they were medicine men that had given blood to some kind of tree or something. It was weird. Mm. But Just Tony being Tony. Uh, I, must have missed, I think I mistook. Uh, yeah, they blood the two stories he together. He, he had a waking sleep. Yeah. <laughs> He checked out. He was awake with the rakes. The lights were on, but no one's home. I think I was just bleeding the two stories together. But yeah, well, that happens to you. Um, but here's what here's what I'm going to say. I, I mean, you know, on, on that note, I mean, I think that that anything's possible with these. I don't know what to think of these things. We've had so many weird stories come across our desks, but I mean, when you look at at this one, you know. I mean, what's really weird, the, the little girls that they were hanging out with, um, I say little girls, they were teenagers, but they were they were kids still, you know, when it happened. I mean, to me, in your 20s, you're still a kid, but I, I, it's they were old enough to know, I mean, what was going on, and they were taught from when they were little bitty to, to, that these creatures exist. They don't really talk about it, but you run from them. You know, yeah. and it would be unnerving to have something that's just lurking around that could be like anything. You know what I mean? Like weird. Yeah. Like, like I remember her saying something about one of them could even appear as like a rocking chair. Like that's weird. I don't know. You know, and, and so I asked the question, I said, do you think maybe it, it itself wouldn't appear as a rocking chair, but it has the power to kind of like put it in your mind of an illusion of a rocking chair. And she says that I don't know. Cause she didn't go in that d detail about it. And the next day they left, of course she was like, you know, mom and dad come get me. <laughs> uh, and they're like, well, no, you got to take the bus back. So, you know, there really was no, no easy way in and out of that place. But, um, yeah, she just said that it was a very a nasty experience for her and hor horrible, scary thing. And that they, they really kind of pushed it out of their minds, her and her sister, and then years later, you know, when she moved to the States, uh, her sister was living in the haunted house that she had stayed in for a couple of years they had, because her sister had a haunted house. And she had moved clear across the country. I think she was like in Sydney or something, or maybe it was Canberra. But she had moved away from that 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 area. And um, she had said that they the, the, the house that they lived in was haunted. And so they started having a conversation about some of the weird goings on at her house and she was going to have a paranormal investigative team come there and, and look into the phenomena because there was some really weird stuff going on, like her getting slapped in the middle of the night and pulled her husband and her getting pulled by their feet out of the bed halfway, stuff like that. I mean, pretty, pretty aggressive haunting. But she said we were talking about it and her sister said, but it was nothing like what happened to us when we were kids, Amelia. And she was like, yeah. And she thought that she was referring to an incident where – uh, another weird thing that happened to her, a man broke into their house when they were children and was a crazy person basically and had put her, his hand over her mouth and then her dad came in and fought him off and got him out of there. And he was a person that had escaped from like an institution and had broken into their house. But he had also gone in in the middle of the night into the neighbor's houses too, a couple of them and had eaten food and messed around with stuff and they, and people didn't even wake up. So that was a weird story. And she goes, no, I'm talking about the dingoes. And then she said she had kind of blocked it out of her mind. And then it all came flooding back to her at one time when she was like 31 years old or something. And she was like, oh, my gosh. She goes, yeah, I remember that. And she's like, and after that, that, that memory never left. You know what I mean? But she said for years that she just, it was like she had blocked it out of her mind and never talked about it. She had told her parents and her parents were just like, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. That never happened. 
And that was the end of it. Her parents never bothered to ask the adults there if it was true or anything. It's, it's you know, it's, you, you, that's the thing that you hear a lot is like people will say, I was standing in line at the store and I just look over and I see a magazine and it just brought back all these memories of something that happened to me when I was a kid. Uh, this person told me a, a, a crazy story and here's another one. I'll get right into this one. Uh, th- this person said that they, that they were literally standing in line at a grocery store. And the, the cool thing about this was that they were at an M system. Now, the cool thing about that, I didn't know of any other places but in Northwest Texas where M systems existed. My mom used to work as a cashier there. And of course, she just kept working for these grocery stores and eventually. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. She became the manager of H-E-B, which is these major grocery store chain we have here in Texas. It's freaking everywhere. And she said she was standing in line at an M system because me and this person had talked and, and she'd reached out to me about the Haskell Rascal. So that's another weird story. And that's a very brief one with that. But they, she was driving in between Haskell and Stanford. Or maybe it was uh, Haskell and Chelsea, but uh, not Chelsea. Uh, I think it was Schneider or something. It was one of those towns. It was those small towns around there. And she was driving with her husband. And they see this creature standing on the side of the road. And, and it, it just like took off, took a step right in front of their vehicle and began to run across the road. This was like in the late 90s. And she said that they were about to swerve to keep from hitting it, but it moved so fast. She said it almost looked like, and she asked me if I'd ever seen the show True Blood. And I said I'd seen some of it. I think I watched the first season or something. But she said that the way the vampires moved real quick, you know, and they didn't get down on all fours. She said it was just like, and it was across the road so fast that her husband just, like, he kind of moved and then just kept the steering wheel straight because... They didn't have to swerve off the road. She's like, we were going to swerve off the road, and it just we just kind of swerved into the next lane, and then we were just straight again because he was like, did you see that? It was just there, and then it wasn't. She said it was like a short, muzzled-looking, rangy, werewolf-looking creature. But then there was kind of an argument between her and her husband whether it was a, a cat-like thing or a dog-like thing. So I don't know what it was. She said, I don't know what it was, and, and she told me about it. She goes, but I remember you saying you lived in Haskell, and she said we were traveling through there one time, and we think we saw the Haskell Rascal right outside of Haskell. And so w- whenever we we talked, she said she was in line at an M system gro- grocery store, and I can't remember if she said she was in Stanford or, or one, one of those towns or Anson somewhere, but she said she was in line, and she's like, I look over, and I see this magazine, and she's like, this is the early 2000s, you know? And I just, I remember this incident that happened to me at the beach. She says, and we were down in, in Port Aransas, which we, we go to every year, a couple times a year, a lot of times. And we didn't go this past year. We've been so busy. But she said, she's like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking. It's about sharks. And she's like, it was just this magazine. And she says, I started looking at it and I just, she got, I felt lightheaded and dizzy. And she said, I felt, I'm standing there in line and I felt like I was drowning. She's like, it was the middle of summer. And she's like, and I had a watermelon, a cantaloupe, and a couple other things. And I just left them there. And I just said, I got to go. I got to sit down. I'm about to pass out. And they're like, ma'am, are you okay? And so the, one of the cashiers kind of walked with her with one of the bag boys. And they they walked her out to her car. And she's like, she's like, I sat down in my car. She's like, I drove about, about uh, two blocks. And then I had to pull over. She's like, and I felt like I needed to go to sleep. And she said, and I had this weird like iron smell in my nostrils. She's like, and it felt like I, I couldn't breathe. And then she's like, I instantly was kind of transported back to this point in time when I was a child. She said, I was nine years old and I was swimming at the beach in Port Aransas and I'd gotten too far out and I felt like I was going to drown. And she says, she looks down and she sees these two blue looking hands grab her by her ankles and start to pull her under. And she said, as she went under, she, she, she witnessed what looked like a mermaid. She said it had red hair, but it but it was like blue in the face and the eyes bugged out. It had these big lips and no nose. And she said that it would just like grabbed her by her sides. It was a female and lifted her up and like kind of held her above the, the water. And then 
like began to push her out into the shallows and then she set her down and then took off out, out and back out into the water. And she's, I was like, so you were essentially rescued by a mermaid. She goes, yeah, but not a, not a, not a good looking mermaid. She's like, <laughs> it was an ugly, creepy looking creature. And she's like, and I got the distinct feeling that there was something else there just lurking around the corner. She's like, I don't know if it was a large shark or if it was another one of these creatures, but it, whatever it was, was hostile. And I think that this thing was actually saving me from that. So she's like, I was, it wasn't just the drowning that was taking place. She was already choking on water. She said she staggered to the, to the shore and she coughed really hard and she like all this water came out and she said it came out of her nose and it burned her nose and she had like this weird irony taste in her throat and her mouth and she realized it was blood because I guess she had eaten some of the sand and salt and stuff and it scratched her throat. Yeah. And so she she remembered that all of a sudden that, that had been pushed out of her mind. But then here's what's weird. Here's where the shapeshifter element comes into the story. Very strange thing. She's like, it's a very weird thing. She goes, I, I, we went to a restaurant later that evening and there was a woman there that came up to wait on us. And she's like, and she had really, really, really red hair. And she's like, and her eyes were kind of bugged out, kind of like that mermaid looking creature. Um, but she's like, it was very much a human. She was a very much a human being. And she's like, walks over to the table and she takes their order or whatever and get, gets them their food. And then at the end of the meal, she kept looking at her and looking at her. And uh, she said that she knew her name. And she's like, I, hadn't, I didn't give this person my name. And she's her name is her name's Marlene. But she was like, she was like, and she's like, did you enjoy your dinner, Marlene? And she was like, yes, I did. And she's like, it just hit me. She's like, I had not given this woman my name. And she's like drinking some water, you know, and at one point she says, don't drink too fast. She's like, you've had enough water for one day. Like, that was another thing. <laughs> So was this woman a shape-shifting mermaid? If this, if her child mind is to be believed, like that, did that happen? Now she does have a witness. She had her baby brother who was with her, but he was only six years old. But he remembered it. He remembered there being like this weird woman that popped up out of the water. But he thought that she was just a swimmer hmm. that was in the water that had a really weird-looking skin tone. <laughs> And she she argued with her brother, and she's like, her brother's name is Tommy, and she's like, Tommy, how would that be, like, you know, a blue woman? You know, he, he goes, I don't know, maybe she was drowning too. <laughs> but, you know, he's a little smart mouth, you know, but but I mean, like, she was just like, she's like, we argued about it years later, you know, we were like, I was telling my, my little brother, you know, we were both in high school, and she was like, he was making a big joke out of it, like, it was funny. She's like, it wasn't funny to me, because I was drowning. And, and so, and she wasn't strong enough swimmer to get back. You know, and uh, she did feel like there was something else predatory right there in the water with her that was maybe going to do something to her. Um, but she thought that it was it was odd, to say the least. And I said, now the legs were there legs. She said, I do remember legs on the woman in the water. But she's like, I remember them having like fin like flippers. And I said, what did you see this woman's feet? That was the waiter at the restaurant. She says. I don't remember the name of the restaurant. She's like, I just remember you could see the beach from it, you know? And she goes, but I remember the woman like having the same color hair. She had like this uh, weird thing or like, uh, like her hair pulled back in a weird, like a weird way that did that totally was different than the, than the way that it looked in the water because it was wet, you know? She's like, so I couldn't say a hundred percent. And of course she had a nose, <laughs> you know, the thing in the water didn't have a nose. But she said that the weird thing was that she talked about having had enough water and then calling her Marlene. And then the mom and dad didn't even think it was odd. And she's like asking, she's like, mom and dad, hey, I got a question. You know, did 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 I, did y'all say my name to this woman ever? And she's like, oh, she must have heard us say your name or something, you know. So they just kind of played it out. She's like, yeah, but nobody said my name. And nobody's, but nobody's like listening to her. They're just like, okay, you're just a kid. It's not remembering stuff. And her other sister, her older sister was like, you're just stupid. You're always coming up with weird stuff, you know. She's like, she was the middle child. So she kind of felt like she got the short end of the stick. And I said, well, you know, that's what you get for being the middle child. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but you should have been born faster. You should have been born faster. It's your own yeah, fault. exactly. It's your own fault. You can't nobody to blame but yourself. But now, I, I, it is a strange thing. You know, it's like, 
Was that a shapeshifter? Could you say that that was? I mean, or was it just a weird memory? Did it really happen the way she remembered it? Or was it lack of oxygen to the brain from the drowning? Possible drowning. But she did say when she got to shore, it was unnatural for her to have like ingested and had all that water to have it all just come out like that, that easily. She thought that that was kind of supernatural as well. And and her little brother was like right there where she pushed her, you know, she pushed her right back under the, and she remembers looking at the shore and seeing her brother way far off to her right. And then when this, when she was pushed, she was like right there by her siblings and their friends. So. Well, we should all just blame the brother then. He's already six. That's a grown man. He should have saved his sister. <laughs> yeah. In some countries, you're already an old man. Um, you know, and, and you already have like, you know, a family to raise, but now here, here's the thing. You know, I don't, I don't discount anything, but I know memory is very fallible and it's very hard to say, Hey, from memory, you know, and, and we're, we know that, but, uh, in y'all's opinion, what do you think is going on with that story? Is that, is that something or. I mean, it sounds like the mermaid. Uh, now do I think the person that she saw later on in life, was that maybe her later on in life? It was like later that, no, I mean, well, <laughs> that later evening, on, you know? Later on in her life. That's that two strikes tonight. Yeah, he's really not hitting too many home runs tonight. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say. Exactly. Well, I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was a, a, some kind of uh, like aquatic sh- shapeshifter, but I don't know. I've 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 never really heard of uh, of too many encounters with like, possible shape-shifting creatures in the water and i'll of course we've gotten a lot of stories of cryptids in the water but they just seem like like really hostile bizarre like animal or humanoids yeah they're not shape-shifting yeah not that we've known yeah that's only this i think the second shape-shifter humanoid story from the water we've ever gotten yeah if i remember correctly but it does make sense you know uh, more so than even I think land shapeshifters because if you're an aquatic creature and you want to go onto land, you would have to shape your entire. Mm-hmm. You would being. have to become something else. Yeah, so I mean, it, it does make the most sense, at least. So I I, I don't know. Like I, what I was going to say earlier was I don't know if what she saw later on if that was the same person or if she just maybe has like insider knowledge or or has like a relationship that we don't understand with these things because the red hair and the eyes. Well, don't you think it'd be weird though? I mean, like you go work your mermaid shift from 10 to six and then you go work at the waiters. Well, the consider this. I mean, what, what, what if it's a person that lived there, you know, mm-hmm. and she had the ability to live on land or in the water. Maybe she came out of the water and chose to live on land and they have an ability that we don't have. Yeah. They can assimilate that way. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, who knows? It's, uh, it's not really she definitely something that seemed to have like more knowledge. She knew something mm-hmm. and that, that's, that's what's weird about it. But I just, it's weird to be like a mermaid and be like, well, we got to go work now. I mean, you, if, if you compare this to like the Bigfoot phenomena, for example, let's take Bigfoot. Let's talk about Bigfoot for just a second. Imagine the Bigfoot phenomena. All we get are these weird stories, you know, after weird story, after weird story, whether it's some sort of flesh and blood or it's some sort of spiritual or it's something that can be misidentified, it doesn't matter. We don't have a good grasp on what it is. And we're so far removed from that. And it's something that people see in the woods all the time. Uh, heck, we're not going to know what the heck of something from the ocean is. I mean, you know, we can't even get a grasp on this, which people see more frequently than anything. It's almost second to, I guess, ghosts. But we we don't know what ghosts are. We don't know what Bigfoot is. And we we really don't know what UFOs are. So, I mean, you know, knowing what, what a shapeshifter from the ocean, what the hell? We're so out of our depths, no pun intended. Yeah. But uh, anyway, folks, that's all the time we have for tonight. I hope we gave you some food for thought and you enjoyed the people's uh encounters and their contributions. Thank you to those who gave us those stories and their contributions. Sometimes we take it for granted. We should start thanking people for giving. I mean, I thank them when we're talking Mm. or when I answer them through email or messenger, but I don't always um, say it on on, on the air. And I want to say thank you to everybody who gives us their stories or sends them to us or sends us to people who give us their stories. Thank you for your contributions to the show. We appreciate it. 
everybody try to be kind to one another and forgive. There's a lot of goofy people out there that just do all kinds of goofy things, and you just try not to get mad. We've been getting mad a lot in the last couple months because of people doing things. At the end of the day, all you can really do is just sit back and laugh because there's not much else you can do. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Thank you for uh, making PRT what it is, and good night. Good night.